I bet you can't tell a story, a sad story, in six words. This was a bet that a famous author was challenged with by a reporter. And this author looked for a second, he took the bet, and then he wrote down six words. For sale. Baby shoes. Never worn. He collected on his bet and he proved in that moment that a story can be told in just a few words as long as it comes from the heart, as long as it's authentic, and as long as it serves others. And that's what I want to get across to you in this episode of the Rooftop Podcast. I'm glad that you guys are here with me uh, where we talk about all kinds of issues related to rooftop leadership. And this week, our theme is the guppy effect, right? And it's serving under the broader monthly theme for April of Know Thy Enemy. And that's so important that we know our enemy when we're, as rooftop leaders, you know, we go up on the rooftop and we pursue objectives and goals bigger than ourselves. We want to leave our tracks in this world. We want to play a bigger game. And when we do that, we need to know that there are enemies that are going to show up in between where we are now and where we want to go. And 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 that is, you know, that is just predictable as the sun coming up in the morning. It's going to happen. You're going to have these moments when the enemy shows up. And I'm not necessarily referring to people. It could be. But mostly these are conditions. These are behaviors. These are manifestations within ourself that show up and put themselves squarely between our present location and where we want to be in our higher self. And we've got to know our enemy. We've got to know the ways that our enemy will show up and and distract us and throw us off. And so this month in April, we're breaking down all the different ways that the enemy can show up. And in this particular week, the guppy effect is a play on the Microsoft study where they found that the average human attention span these days is eight seconds, one second less than a goldfish and twice as low than that of a guppy, right? A guppy has two times more attention span than a human. A guppy has 15 seconds. And I was just astounded at that when I saw that. And when we think about the kind of leadership that we're wanting to do as rooftop leaders, when we think about the kind of impact that we're wanting to have in the world to achieve these bigger things, if people are distracted, it's going to make it very difficult for us to connect with them, especially if their heads are in their phones or their iPads or their device or their headphones are in, their earbuds are in, and they don't hear you. And even when they do look up at you, they only look at you for eight seconds So how are you going to take advantage of that eight seconds? That's the point of this podcast. And last night I had a meeting, a coaching call with my Impact A-Team. This is my multi-year coaching program. These are my highest performers that I work with. I've been with them for years. And they are the ones just out there, I mean, sticking and moving and applying all the rooftop skills for maximum return on investment, maximum return on leadership. And they're seeing that in their life. So when we get on a call, boy, we go deep on some stuff. And, you know, I can't lay out all the content we talked about last night because it's exclusive to that group, but I will tell you five areas that we covered that you can use immediately right now in your life, whether you are a stay-at-home dad, whether you own your own business, whether you're a mid-level manager in corporate America, a nonprofit, whatever. If you need to move people to take action when they are distracted for that eight-second, beyond that eight-second window, here are, here are five areas that you can use. First, is do the homework before the legwork, right? Number one, do the homework before the legwork. This is what I teach Green Berets at Fort Bragg when they go in to meet with tribal elders, when they go in to meet with ambassadors, where there's already a level of distrust. And frankly, 
you know, a high tempo and distraction. You want to know everything you can about the person you're going to meet. And almost no one does this anymore, which is astounding when you consider that we've never had more access to information on the people that we're going to meet. You can do a Google search. You can talk to people that have met them before. You can check out their social media profile. But there's all kinds of ways that you can know more about the person when you go to sit in front of them than just, hey, where are you from, right? Because in this day and age, you just lost your eight seconds, right? But if you can demonstrate some knowledge of this person, of their background, and it not be in a creepy way, but an authentic way that you're actually leaning in this person and, and you're wanting to understand them and you've done your work to understand and value their journey before you ever showed up, that has reciprocal value. It has resonance, it is visceral, and it will increase your connection and, and possibly allow them to suspend disbelief to maybe 20 seconds and talk their head to the side and listen a little bit longer. Number two, you want to speak to their wants and their fears. If you are putting out a new product, if you are launching a workshop, if you are putting your book out there, if you are uh, in sales, if you are wanting to convince your child to come home on time from curfew, you want to speak to their wants and fears. This means you need to spend time thinking about who you serve. And I mean, you need to think about them in a way that you understand their obvious data profile, their, their age, their sex, their, where they live, what, you know, the kinds of things, they, what their preferences are, that basic data, which is always available in, in big numbers. But also, I want you to understand the kind, of, kind of their psychographic data, like, you know, what is it that keeps them up at night? You know, so what are the things that they worry about? You know, if, if, if at a very basic level, for example, if I, if I want my house painted, like that's, that's a pain point that's on the surface. That's an external pain point. I need my house painted. My house hasn't been painted in years. But then at night, I lay in bed and I worry about the fact that everybody drives by my house and they see it's the worst house in the neighborhood. That's an internal pain point that's closer to the solar plexus, which means it has more resonance. And if you can speak to that, you speak to their heart. And, and then finally, I want my neighborhood to be the best looking neighborhood in the world. I want it to be the best one, the best neighborhood anyone's ever driven by. That's a philosophical pain point. That's a rooftop pain point. That's a pain point bigger than me. And if I can identify three of those, that's the trifecta. But if, even if I can identify you know, one at each level or just one and I'm speaking to their pain, that has an immediate connection with people and they'll drop their shields and they'll listen. Same thing if you can speak to their wants and their desires, right? If you know what people want and you can speak to that authentically and transparently, it's extremely powerful. Number three, use story when you communicate. Right? I started off this podcast with a story. I start off almost everything I do with a story. Why? Because we are wired for story. When people tell stories, we have 100,000 years of predisposed listening that causes us to listen. That's why at the first of a beginning of a Tom Cruise movie, you just stop and you watch because it's good story. In the old days with radio, that's how they did it. Good ads do the same thing. They draw you in with story. Here's what you don't want to do. Let me tell you a story. Don't do that. Right, Because what that does is you're actually warning someone that you're going to take their time. So your eight seconds are gone because you've equivocated the fact that you're going to communicate through narrative. So go right to the goods. Don't say, let me tell you a story. This is a funny story. Hey, check this out. Just go to it. Right? Trust me, if you do this, you're going to see a bigger return on the amount of time that people will listen to you. Story. And we're all natural storytellers. If you have issues with story, uh, a couple things. For your business, you could get Donald Miller's book on Story Brand. You could pick up the book Carmen Gallo's uh, Storyteller's Secret. 
You could sign on for rooftopleadership.com and watch all my vlogs that I do. There's tons of stuff in there on story. You could join Rooftop Leadership Mastery for a buck for the first month, less than 50 for each other month that follows, and you'll learn how to develop your own personal story by me. So there's four options right there that you can get better on your story, but use story to communicate. It's natural, it's authentic, and it resonates. Number four, hook the goldfish. Taking story a step further, every story at least the hero's journey stories, the ones that really grab people, they have a beginning hook, a middle build, and an end payoff. You want that beginning hook to grab people. So when you start your Facebook Live post, you do your webinar, you roll a product out, you tell a story at a party, you take the, the, the stage to talk about your daughter and your, and your new husband at their wedding, whatever, you want to start with a hook. My, my dad, 73 years old, is about to give a TEDx talk. Can you believe that? In Youngstown, Ohio, about the American chestnut tree, a tree that is extinct. He walks out on the stage, right, and this, this genteel old southern man, and, and southern boy, and he, and he has a picture of a dead chestnut tree behind him, and he says this. The only time I saw my dad cry, that old mountain man, was when he talked about that tree. And he points at it, and he stops. That's a hook. Want to know more? Of course you do, because we are inquisitive creatures and we want to know more about story. So if you just put some deliberate thought into how you open and even give some measured silence at the end of it, it has a prolific impact. Number five, build a fire. Build a fire, right? For, for as long as humans have stomped around the earth, we have had fire as part of our society. Uh, fire is a part of how we communicate. Fire is a part of how we celebrate the end of the day. It's how we come together after the hunt, after the forage, after the battle, and we share lessons and we connect. And there's all kinds of mental coupling that goes on. There's all kinds of empathy, you know, just connection that happens around fire. You've, if you've ever sat around a fire and told stories, you know what I'm talking about. I use fire in my workshops. I use it when I train corporate executives and it always works. It breaks down the barriers. It creates a safe, connected environment for communication, which Daniel Coyle in his book, Talent Code or Culture Code, says we must have to be a high-performing culture. Fire naturally provides it. So create an environment in your work. Go off-grid. Go to a campground. Go to a day-use area. Hell, go out back with a fire barrel and just sit around a campfire and, tell, and get to know each other. Tell each other's backstories, you know, why you came to the company, why you're there. You'd be amazed what that does. If that doesn't work, then take it metaphorically and in your office, move the chair or the desks out of the way and circle up with your chairs. You'll be surprised how quickly you can accelerate trust or at a, you know, at a gathering or a function, make it as informal as you can and put people in a circle. We naturally communicate better that way. People will find their own collective resonance that way and it will let, raise the energy of the room, right? But whether physically or metaphorically, build a fire. So there you go. There's five powerful tips that you can use to overcome the eight-second guppy effect. Take them. Put them into use. Try them. And remember that according to Dr. Loretta Brunning, it takes approximately 45 days to build new connections, new neural pathways in the brain that will override the old bad habits. So if you're going to pick one of these or three or five, you got to do it for 45 days. How do you do that? You journal about it. Create a journaling habit where you write down what happened each day. And then you record what how it happened, well, how it worked, what you learned. And you'll be surprised. In 45 days, it will start to become part of your regimen. And when that happens, your hit rate goes up. People buy more from you. People resonate. You resonate more with them. They see you as more relatable. And you become more relevant. 
and we follow, we buy from, we believe in the people who are the most relevant because they're always the ones on the rooftop. Hope this served you. Can't wait to talk to you next time on our podcast episode. And until then, this is Scott Mann, and I'll see you on the rooftop.